You know, we need to get under what God has put over us. That's the place of God's protection. But when we decide we don't want to be under what God has put over us, we step out from under the umbrella and out from under the protection. I I know people, I bet you do too, who have decided they don't want to be under the umbrella of God's ultimate authority over them. And yet they're out here and they're mad because they're getting wet. No people like that? See, it's under the umbrella, under the authority. That's the place of protection and blessing. Well, we started this series on authority last weekend. And we began with two assumptions. Do you remember what they were? Assumption number one is that every command of God is more about what God wants for us than what he wants from us. God loves us. What he tells us to do is more about what he wants for us than what he wants from us. And the second assumption is that God's way in every situation is always the best way. And when we really believe those two things, we will stay under the umbrella of God's authority and his protection over us. But we get deceived, don't we? And we stop believing those two things and we take things into our own hands and we ignore God and his way. And so we saw last week that this topic of authority begins with staying under the umbrella of God's ultimate authority over us. That whatever God and his word says, I'm going to do it, period, end of discussion, no reason to debate it anymore. I am surrendered and submitted to the supreme authority of God and his word over every area of my life. And any time... That what I think I want is in disagreement with God's word. I have a little talk with myself. And I resubmit. I resurrender myself to God. And his word and his reign and rule over me. Or whenever I find that I'm living in ways that are disobedient to God and his word. Have this little talk with myself. And I repent. I resurrender, I resubmit myself to God's ultimate authority and reign over me. So it all begins with staying under the umbrella of God's ultimate authority over us. But as we began to see last week, this also extends itself to human authorities as well. If you haven't done so yet, you want to reach inside your celebration folders and Pull out the message notes. It's got the passages that we're going to look at and some blanks you can fill in, some white space to write some things in the margins that might particularly be used by the Spirit to connect with you. But we began last week with Romans chapter 13. And so let's do that again. Just the first couple of verses this week, that first passage there on your notes, it says this. Paul's writing. He says, everyone must submit to governing Authorities, for all authority comes from God, 
And those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. And so anyone who rebels against authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. And they will be punished. All authority, all human authority comes from God is what Paul says. And to rebel against human authority that is placed over us is to rebel against God. And we saw that there's four places that the Bible talks about authority. One is at work. We talked about that last week. If you're a student, you know, you could apply most of what we said there for school as well. That's work for you. So one is work. Two is the government. We're not going to talk about that all that much directly here, but that's another place where authority comes into play. Thirdly is the home. We're going to talk about that this morning. And then finally, the church. That's what we're going to deal with next weekend. But you know, whenever you start to deal with this topic of authority, it raises some questions. Some of you have asked me about that this week, and others of you have probably thought it, and it's just this. Well, you know, if all authority is God-established, then what about unjust authorities? You know, what do you do about Hitler or Mussolini or places in our world right now today where they have unjust, tyrannical dictators who rule out of injustice and greed and and evilness? What, What about those types of authorities? I think it gets really sticky when you deal with topics like this, but I think in order to begin to to understand it, I think you have to realize that there are two factors that are happening at the same time. One of those factors is God's sovereignty. That God is in total, complete control all the time. God's word tells us that, doesn't it? And factor number two that runs alongside of that is the impact of sin. You see, the fact that God is totally in control, that he is sovereign, doesn't mean that everything that happens in our world is to his liking. In fact, just the opposite. A whole lot of what happens in our world is due to the fact that our world is fallen, that it's sinful. Just part of being part of a fallen, sinful world. Because the Bible teaches that sin always brings consequences. And because God has given us choice, and because we choose to sin, we experience the consequences of sin. Both our own sin and quite often the sin of other people. We experience a lot of what we experience. It's just living in a sinful world where we experience the consequences of other people's sin. And that's why there is death. That's why there's sickness. That's why there's tragedy. I have a friend who a number of years ago was killed by a drunk driver. So I ask you, was a, a good, godly man, a good, godly husband being killed by someone who, someone else's sin, someone who decided to drink and to drive. Was that to God's liking? 
Of course not. And yet was and is God in total, complete control even when that happened? Yes, he is. Now, those are tough things to mesh together, isn't it? And yet the Bible says both of those things are true. I don't think we'll understand it completely until we get to eternity because our brains are fallen too. We can't fully grasp everything there is. And so there are going to be unjust authorities due to sin. And is there sinful, unjust behavior to God's liking? No, of course not. And yet, are they there by the sovereign design of God? Yes, they are. That's what Paul says right here. And so our response, as much as we are able, is to line up under their authority. Now, that doesn't mean that I don't seek reform. That doesn't mean that I don't fight injustice. But it does mean as much as I am able, I get under what God has put over me. You see, I I think a key to understanding this is realizing this. That what God does is He uses these things, things like authorities, even unjust, unfair authorities. God uses those things to chip away at the wrong attitudes and the character issues in me. God uses those things. You see, taking care of unjust authorities, God could flick them out of the way anytime he chose. Really. It's not too hard for him. And yet most of the time God doesn't because he lets us experience the consequences of sin in a fallen world. But he is far more concerned about what he's doing in you and the way he's using those things, even those unjust things, to chip away at your character, to build in you, to work in you the way that he chooses to. And so as much as we can, we line up, we get under what God has put over us. Well, that just gives you something to ponder this week. Today we want to talk specifically about authority in the home. And so let's start with a couple of passages, one from the Old and one from the New Testament. Genesis chapter 3, verse 6. It says, When the woman, when Eve, when she saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and she ate it. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. The fall of mankind, Adam and Eve's choice to sin, the fall into sin, what got this whole mess started in the first place. In Romans chapter 5, Paul is dealing with that event. And here's what he says, beginning verse 12. He says, when Adam sinned, sin entered the world. And Adam's sin brought death so that death spread to everyone for everyone sinned. Then you drop down to verse 17. 
For it says, the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness for all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. And yes, verse 18, Adam's one sin brought condemnation for everyone. But Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and new life for everyone. Now, what I want you to see in these couple of passages is a very interesting thing here. And it's this. Did you notice that even though Eve sinned first, God held Adam responsible? Did you catch that? I think that's an important aspect in understanding this whole area of headship and submission, authority in the home. Back in the book of Genesis, both in chapter 12 and in chapter 20, Sarah submits to her idiot husband, Abraham. Read it for yourself this week. You'll agree with me. Twice, two different times, slow learner. Abraham finds himself going into a place and he's concerned that because Sarah is so beautiful that people will knock him off in order to free her up for them. And so he tells her to just tell them that she's his sister so that people won't mess with him. And she submits herself. She brings herself under his authority And what you see happen in that is that God protects her. See, I think a lot of times when we talk about the subject of submission, we think of it all in the negative sense. But there's a benefit to submission, and it's just this, that when I'm in a disagreement with someone and I line up under their authority, then what that does is it puts that authority totally responsible to God And I can rest in God's protection over me. That's what happened in both of those accounts with Sarah. God protected her. She lined herself under the authority and God protected her. The place of protection is in line with God's authority. And so today, we're going to talk about this. We're going to talk about submission and what it isn't. I think we've heard a whole lot of wrong things or picked up a whole lot of wrong things that keeps us from understanding what biblical submission is. So we're going to talk about what submission isn't. And then we're going to talk about the husband's role in all of this because that same passage that talks about wives submitting has a whole lot to say to us husbands. And then lastly, we're going to deal with when it's okay to not submit. So are you ready? A lot of ground to cover. Buckle up your seatbelts and let's go. Here's the first one. Number one. Let's talk about what submission is not. Five things. Number one, submission is not a matter of being superior or inferior. You see, husbands and wives are equal before God. And when we realize that, things will be sweet 
And our problems will be low. And we will have a splendid marriage. Thought that one up myself. I was inspired drinking iced tea one day. But the point is that we are equal before God. In fact, listen, Galatians chapter 3, verses 26 to 28 says, You are how many of us? All, all of us who are in Christ. You are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female. For you are all one in Christ. See, because of the the cross, we stand equally before God. Submission's not a matter of men being superior to women. It's not that at all. It's not an issue of superiority or inferiority. Secondly, submission isn't a demand that husbands are to put on their wives. Ephesians chapter 5, the, the passage that's there at the bottom of your first page of your message notes is the, the classic passage on this. It says in verse 21 that we're to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. There's a mutual submission aspect that precedes everything. And then verse 22, Paul specifically addresses wives. And he says, wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior, And now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. And then he says, husbands, love your wives. Just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Here's what I want you to notice there. Is that the command to submit is given to wives not to husbands to demand of their wives. See, we've got to stop reading each other's mail. We've got to stop being more concerned about what someone else is supposed to do and start being more concerned about what I'm supposed to do. And so a wife should never say to her husband, well, you don't love me like you should, like the Bible tells you you should. You're a lousy Christian because you don't love me like... You never do that. You're reading his mail. And by the same token, a husband should never say to his wife, well, if you were really godly, if you were really biblical, you'd be submitting to me more. You need to submit to me more. You ought to submit to me more. Nope, you shouldn't do that. That's reading her mail. Now, maybe your wife should be submitting to you more. But that's a matter between her and God, not a matter between you and her. See the difference? See, submission isn't a demand that husbands tell their wives to do. Thirdly, submission isn't a right for husbands to order their wives around. It's not a slave-master kind of relationship. It's not even a parent-child 
kind of relationship. You know, sometimes I'll be talking with adult women and they'll say things like, well, my husband won't let me do such and such. And I think, what are you, like 10? I mean, your husband lets you do things? That's not what biblical submission is. It's not a matter of ordering, husbands ordering their wives around. I want to show you this brief little clip from a situational comedy called um, Till Death. Brad Garrett and Jolie Fisher, they play a couple, Eddie and Joy Stark. And uh, I think this is a good example of the wrongness of understanding this. They have a little disagreement here. I want you to see how it breaks down in their home. So let's watch it together. (laughs) She's great. I'm doing this. No, no. I did not want to have to play this card, but I'm going to. I forbid you to call her. Hey, Denise, it's Joy. I forbid you. Yeah, how's it going? Forbid you! That's that's Eddie. He's forbidding me to call you. (laughs) See, that's not what submission is. I, I can only imagine the response I'd get if I forbid Janet to do something. We wouldn't be laughing, I can tell you that much. You see, a... A biblical submissive relationship isn't one where the husband orders his wife around and the wife just dutifully obeys him like a little child. Nowhere in the Bible is authority given to be used for selfish gain. That's not what submissive submission is. Number four, submission also isn't permission to disregard healthy personal boundaries seeking to be a submissive wife doesn't mean you stop having a will of your own or a mind of your own or opinions of your own and husbands it doesn't mean that you have the right to impose or to force your will on your wife with no regard for her wishes or wants or likes you know you you all the time hear stories of in in very conservative circles where stuff was going on behind closed doors and it was all because the wife felt like she needed to do these things because her husband was telling her and she needed to submit and there's all sorts of personal boundaries crossed there that's not what submission is a husband doesn't have the right to tell his wife how to wear her hair or what clothes to wear or those kinds of things now a wife may choose to wear her hair a certain way or do certain things because her husband, she knows it's what her husband likes. But see, that's her choice. And that's the key there. Submission isn't imposing yourself. It isn't crossing healthy, personal boundaries. And then number five, submission isn't some male-dominant pecking order of all men being in authority over all women. You see, it's, it's an issue in the home of husbands with their wives. Not all men should be in authority over all women. You see, God created men and women both equally in his image. Genesis chapter 1, verse 27 says this, So God created man, mankind there, in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. 
You see, men and women both carry unique aspects of who God is, of God's image. We're equals. We stand equally before God. There's no superiority. There's no inferiority going on here between men and women. See, we've, we've got to get back to God's marriage plan. It's for two equal people to work together to accomplish mutual goals. And can I say, that's why it's so valuable for you to both be on the same page spiritually. It's not just enough to to, to, to marry someone and say, well, but we really love each other, but, you know, spiritually we're at such different... That, 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 that's a big deal. Now, sometimes you find yourself in that situation not by choice, but by circumstance after you're married. And you have to deal with it. You have to seek to line up getting under what God's put over you. But why go into that by choice? Because no matter, in your marriage, you're going to disagree. And when that happens, you work through it. You discuss it. You even argue. It's okay to even argue. Because you're working together to come to a consensus. But in those times when you just can't reach a consensus together, then Paul says, wives, you are to willingly bring yourself under your husband's authority. Now, I can tell you in 28 years of marriage, that has happened with Janet and I only a handful of times. Because most of the time we can reach the consensus. But there's been those times where she's brought herself under my authority. In fact, I tell you, when Janet and I fight, she usually comes to me on her hands and knees. And she's saying, get out from underneath that bed and fight, you coward. (laughs) (laughs) Now, when Janet... Submits in those times. Here's what she rightfully says to me in so many words. She says, you know, I think this is the wrong decision. But I'm going to submit to your authority. And so it's now all on you, big boy. (laughs) You know, God's going to hold you accountable. And I'm going to be under the protection of authority. See, headship is far more about responsibility than it is privilege. Don't miss that, guys. It's not, hey, I'm the head of the home. I get to rule the roost. I get. It's about the responsibility of being the head in your home. In fact, that leads right into the second point, that the husband's responsibility to love precedes the wife's response of submitting. There at the bottom of the front page, that passage from Ephesians Chapter 5, verses 21 to 25. Don't miss that in verse 21, it talks about this mutual submission aspect. Now, that doesn't mean, hey, you submit to me, I submit to you. So the wife says, see there, um, you know, we never come to this. That's not, you've missed the whole point of the verses to wives if that's what you take it. It means that there's sometimes you're going to be submitting this way. There's some aspects that Janet's better at than me, a lot of them. And so in those things, I just do what she tells me to do. I submit to her. There's two or three things that I'm better than her. 
She submits. I mean, it's a mutual submission for the most part, back and forth. But in those other situations where there's disagreement, where you can't find consensus, then you get under, wives, what God has put over you. But don't miss, guys, that there's a whole lot of words to husbands there. It says we're to love our wives. Listen, just like Christ loves us. That's a pretty tall order, isn't it? In fact, in verse 25, it said that Jesus laid down his life for us. Man, do you love your wife that much? How are you, listen to me, guys, how are you laying down your life each day for your wife? See, it's one thing to say, oh, I jump in front of a car for her. But daily, how are you laying down your life for her? If you keep going in that passage down to verse 33, Ephesians 5, 33, it says, however, each of you also must love his wife as he loves himself. You know, I, I think a whole lot of me. I do a pretty good job of doing things to please me. You know, do I love Janet that much? Am I making the choice daily to love her that much and more? And then Paul goes on and he says, and the wife must respect her husband. Now, I think that's an important piece here. Because, you know, respect is, a, is an attitude word, isn't it? See, it's not just enough, wives, that you, you know, all right, I'm going to submit to you, you good-for-nothing thing, you know. There's an attitude aspect. Doing it with respect. In fact, I think sometimes I was talking with someone in between. I, I think sometimes what women kind of think is like, no, no, you know what? I'm, it's going to be a case-by-case choice whether or not I'll submit. And I think that's missing the attitude. The attitude is I've already made up my mind to submit. I'm going to be obedient to God here. And then as the situations come, I just need to choose to do it. See, it's an attitude. That respect factor plays in there. You say, yeah, but my husband doesn't love me like that. Stop reading his mail. It's not about what he needs to do. It's about what you need to do. Yeah, but my husband isn't respectable. Well, it's not about what he needs to do. It's about what you need to do. And his position is worthy of your respect, even if he isn't handling it in a respectful way. And so you line up under what God has put over you. You know, a whole lot of this aspect goes right into these next verses. If you just kept reading past Ephesians 5.33 into chapter 6, it starts talking about this other position in our homes. We won't talk a whole lot about this, but it talks about the issue with parents and their children. Verse 1 of chapter 6 says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with the promise, that it may go well with you. And that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. But instead, bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. That as parents, it's our responsibility to love and to lead our children. 
to train them and instruct them in the Lord. And to not exasperate them, Paul says. We exasperate our children when, when it all becomes about what we're telling them to do and there's not that foundation of love, of, of where they know they're valued and, and precious and, and, and intricately of worth to us. And so we're to, as parents, to lay that foundation to where they really do feel valued and loved, to create that environment, and then for children to respond in obedience. And most of what we've said about this aspect of submission of wives to their husbands, I think applies with parents and children too. You know, it doesn't mean that a child can never question what their parents tell them to do. Sometimes I think we think like that, like, no, 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 you just need to obey. You just need to shut up and obey. And I think we need to give, you know, we're, we're a, tyr- a tyrannical dictator with our children. Now, I'm not talking about when they're three. When they're three, be a tyrant and a dictator. But as they get older, you need to give them the right to have their say. I mean, they need to learn, just like we talked last week, how to do it in the right way, how to do it with respect and honor and those kinds of things. But they have the right to have their say. But if the parent's heart isn't changed, then what the Bible says is as a child, you're to bring yourself under the authority of your parents. Now, there's some differences, obviously. Obviously, you know, in a husband and wife situation, there's, there's an equal standing, whereas in a parent-child relationship, it's not quite equal, although that's the goal, isn't it? Isn't it a goal to see them grow up and to become equals with you? You know, we talked with our children about the whole aspect, um, you know, of responsibility and freedom. And and when they were, you know, young adolescents and they were kind of bucking for more freedom, you know, we continually told them that freedom and responsibility go hand in hand. And one day you'll be at the place where you'll be 100% responsible for yourself. And at that point, you'll have 100% freedom over yourself. But until then, it's going to be a percentage kind of thing. And so the goal is to raise them, is to see them become closer and closer to adulthood to where they will be 100% responsible and 100% freedom. But until then, you obey. You bring yourself under the authority of your parents. And maybe you're sitting here thinking, but yeah, but you don't understand. I mean, my curfew is this and, 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 and my friends is this. And, and, and you know what? You're to have your say, learn to do it the right way. But if the heart of your parents isn't moved, you line yourself under. And when you line yourself under the authority of your parents, then the responsibility is all on them. It's up to God to deal with them. And know this, that God will work in you to chip away at the things that he wants to in your character because he's at work in you. Well, one more. When's it okay to not submit? When don't you submit? And the answer to that is when what you're being asked to do is illegal, unethical, are outside of God's commands. If what you're being asked to do is illegal, unethical, are outside of God's commands, you don't submit. 
Acts chapter 4, verse 18 to 20, it says, Then they called them in again, and they commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, Judge for yourself whether it is right in God's sight to obey you rather than God. For we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. You see, any time a human authority tells you to do something that's in conflict with God's word, what it tells you, then you obey the higher authority. Authority is never given for the purpose of selfish reasons. It doesn't cross healthy boundaries, forcing yourself on another person, removing their choice. But see, sin complicates all this, doesn't it? And authorities become unjust or or unfair, um, and and sometimes they impose things on us, and and we have to we have to wrestle with it. We have to wrestle of is is this just something that I don't like to do or that I don't want to do, or is this something that's in conflict with God's word and what God tells me? And we have to wrestle with that. And here's what I want you to know: God's in the wrestling. He is. Because he's far more concerned about the work that he's trying to do in you. If you'll let him. If you'll, as much as you can, as often as you can, line up under what God has put over you. See, the principle is you line up as much as you can, as often as you can. Now, listen to me. This is important. This is not saying that you submit through abuse, through beatings, through any of those things. See, often what happens in the dysfunction of those kinds of things, there's this, there's this, this tent of shame, of, of, of somehow that, that I'm being a submissive wife by, by allowing this to happen, by allowing myself to be violated in these ways. And somehow maybe it's my fault and, and there's this dysfunction of all this. And listen, that is not biblical submission. And if you find yourself in that situation today, listen to me, you need to do two things. Number one, you need to tell your husband that you are not going to keep quiet about this. That you're going to tell people. See, that, that tent of shame causes us to keep this and, and to live within it. Tell them, you know what, I'm not going to keep this secret. And do it. Tell people. Tell people. And number two, if, if that's in your home and it happens to you, if it's starting to happen, then call the police. Do it. Don't be under the guise that somehow, oh, I'm being a submissive wife and I'm allowing this to happen. That is not biblical submission. See, again, we've got to get back to God's original design. That marriage is two equal people working together to accomplish mutual goals. God's ways are always best. And so if you're not married yet, listen to me, marry someone who's at the same spiritual level as you so that you can, you can found a home on God and His Word together. And if you're in a situation that you don't have that advantage, then strive to find the balance of how you live within that 
how you bring yourself and not concern yourself with what your mate needs to be doing, but with what God tells you to do. But no matter when you disagree, and you're going to, when you disagree in your marriage, do the hard work of wrestling through it together, of seeking to reach a consensus. But when you can't, in those times when you can't, then wives, God's word says you're to bring yourself under the authority of your husband. And when you do, realizing that now it's all on him, you're in the place of of protection. And it's the same with parents and children. Parents, seek to establish that strong base of love and leading for your kids. And strive to give them more and more freedom, more and more responsibility together so that they'll become an adult. Young person, learn to express your disagreement with respect, with honor, to do it the right way. But ultimately with the attitude that says, if I do not change your heart, I will willingly line up under what God has put over me. And in so doing, I'll realize that now it's all on my parents and that I'm in the place of protection. And I'll let God take care of me and do the work in me that he wants to do. Father God, we want to have homes that reflect you. Help us do that. I pray for husbands this morning that we would love our wives like you love us, Jesus. Laying down our lives for them daily. I pray for wives, God, that you'll help them to find the way to live in respect learning how to bring themselves under their husband's authority in the right way, in the right time, but but having that attitude of respect. Father, I pray for those this morning who are here and they're struggling in their marriages. God, meet them in the middle of that. Help them together to work back at all the sin and against all the hurt, and against all the pain, and to know that there's hope if they can work together to get back to doing it your way. Because your way is always best. Lord, I pray for those who are in a situation right now where they are in the midst of dysfunction and abuse. God, give them the courage to take the steps they need to take. And God, I ask for parents and for children. You'd help us love our children like you love us, that that they would have that strong foundation of a base of knowing how infinitely valuable they are. Not loved if they do, but loved just because. And for young people this morning, Lord, give them the, the ability to come into their independence and yet learn to be able to do it in a respectful way, in a way that lets them 
line up under what you've put over us. God, you love us. You want to bless. You want to protect. And too often we get in the way and we let sin lead us astray. God, forgive us for that. I pray this week you'll help us take steps to make things right if there's things that need to be made right, to do things right if we've been doing things wrong. All for your glory, Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen.